This is The Lydia Project, Conversations with Christian Women. Our name is inspired by the life-changing conversation that Lydia had with Paul, recorded in Acts 16. On this podcast, you'll hear from a variety of women whose lives have also been impacted by the truth of the gospel. Your hosts, Tori Walker and Taryn Hayes, hope that you too will be challenged and inspired by how the gospel truths are being worked out in the lives of their guests, ordinary women who serve an extraordinary God. Today, your host is Taryn Hayes. Welcome again to The Lydia Project. Today, my guest is Christina Retief. She is someone who radiates joy and love in that really infectious sense. No one would actually guess that in her life, she has experienced death, divorce, stillbirth, and even being shot in the stomach at point-blank range. Yet it's these very things that Christina counts ultimately as pure joy because they have all brought her to understand who Jesus is and why he came to save. One of the things that struck me in our conversation was how God brought Christina to understand who he was through so many unexpected encounters with people from all sorts of backgrounds. How good it is to know that God uses us to share his good news even when we feel that we haven't been particularly articulate or clear. All we are called to do is to obey his word by telling others about him. How wonderful that Christina's journey includes faithful people living up to what they had understood about God's word and sharing that news with her however simply. I hope that as you hear her story, you will also be stirred and encouraged to live life in simple obedience to God's word. Here's Christina. Hello, Christina. Welcome. Hi, Taryn. Good to see you, to hear you. Wonderful to reconnect. It really is. So, Christina, I'm going to just dive straight in. First question is, how did you come to faith in Christ? Sure. (laughs) That's a very South African word, sure. And as you can tell, I'm not South African, I'm German. So I was born and raised in Germany, northern Germany, close to Hamburg, if anyone knows where that is. No God, no Jesus in my life except for Christmas. And when my spiritual, not spiritual mom, actually my godmother, sorry, when she came to visit, I do believe she was a believer and she probably prayed very hard for us and family and her godchildren. We did pray for, we've said grace, we did pray for our food, and that's how far it went. I did always think there was a God, I I somehow believed there was someone out there, and yeah, looking after us, and yeah, somehow there wasn't even this idea of having a personal relationship with God through Jesus, I didn't know about all these things. Even though there are churches in Germany, we're not persecuted, we can go to church. Yeah, as I said, we went to church for Christmas and that was it. Then my dad died in 1996, I was 27. And that was the first time I I was actually confronted with death that closely. And with the idea of why am I alive? What am I doing here? Where is my father now? Because I saw him on his deathbed and I just thought, that's not him. You know, that's, yeah, where is he then? You know, what, 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 him, what made him, his soul or his spirit or I don't know. I, I was, up until then I had lived such a superficial life. Everything went more or less smoothly. You know, I had enough food on the table, always shelter, had good friendships and a loving home, which wasn't perfect, but, you know, 
it was good. And so I fell into this huge black hole in the night after my dad died. I, I remember very clearly it was the 21st of November, 1996. And at that time, I was still married to a very, very loving, kind man. But I wasn't a Christian. He wasn't a Christian. We were just, yeah, living our lives. He was lying next to me in the bed and it was dark in the room and no light coming in. It was just like, you know, like it actually just reflected what was going on in my soul, in my mind. And I just, I, I was panicking. I suddenly had this panic in my heart, in my mind. It was like taking over and I was crying, crying, crying and thinking I would die now. I would, this would be my last hour. In that despair, I saw a light in the middle of the bedroom, which is really crazy because I've never experienced things like that before. And, you know, being in Germany, you're very rational. You, you grow up to work hard and make a living and study and do your thing. And that's it. There's nothing spiritual or magical about life, really. So this light was like, you know, you, you drive at night and your headlights are shining in into the fog, into the mist, and that, that kind of light. Anyway, so I saw this light and instantly my tears subsided, my, my fear was gone. I just had this overwhelming feeling of peace and belonging and being, I just wanted to be there. And I just thought, what is this? What is like, what's going on? So I woke up my then husband and said, you know, look, look, what, what's, what's this light? What is it all about? And he said, oh, just relax, you know, I'm sure you're stressed. I can't see anything. So just go back to sleep, you know. So he didn't see it. So I was completely puzzled. And, you know, he was a very, very, um, he's a very intelligent man. So he was, he was a physicist studying law at the same time. So he once told me that something that exists can't not exist. So it, it must go into a different state or you know but it will always be there so he's this rational guy he can't see this light you know and my father is somewhere because he can't be gone he must be somewhere so this whole thing was completely throwing me out of my routine out of my my life that I knew anyway so that's when my journey started for seeking truth seeking answers so these big questions, where do you go when you die? Uh, why am I alive? What am I doing here? Where does the soul go after death? Is there life after death? So for the next seven years, I went through my granny dying, a divorce, searching for meaning and being in these like Buddhist seminars and meditation classes and look, searching for answers for the light, you know, peace. Here, So there was a like an esoteric, a new age bookstore around the corner from me um, where I lived. And I was their best customer. So I read and bought every book on, <laughs> on the shelf, you know, about light and death and angels and whatever, you know. So anyway, it was good that I went there because I just knew they were all dead end roads. You know, I really investigated hard to find answers and nothing could satisfy my thirst for for this truth, you know, that I didn't even know that I was searching for. I was like, yeah. So 
after all these things happened, I went to a relationship with thinking that this was be would be the guy that I would spend my the rest of my life with and fell pregnant and he was gone. So I was being becoming a single mom. That's what I thought. Had my job and flat and everything was still partying and all that but empty 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 and then I woke up one morning in the eighth month of pregnancy and I knew my baby had died it was it was just such a desperate moment where I just I was just completely empty and I just thought what is what's happening here and Anyway, I went to the hospital and they confirmed that my little baby boy had died. So the next day I went into induced labor and nothing came about. And yeah, and then the, the day after that, the 11th of June 2002, I delivered a dead baby. I gave birth to Johnny and my life was shattered and I just cried as if my all my organs wanted to come out of my eyes. It was just such emptiness because all my hope was in this child somehow I think I was suicidal I went home without a baby you know we had the funeral with friends and it was just absolute emptiness and I think it was good that the Lord brought me to my knees because there was pride and you know I was self-sustaining and I had everything my trust was in in material things and you know this potential child being a mom and even though it was so painful I knew that something something had to happen you know so I went I had to go back to work about six weeks after that actually not no it was more because you get maternity leave in Germany so it was 14 weeks yeah so I was I was depressed looking back I was totally depressed and there was I woke up in the morning and I didn't know why and what what I was doing here so I decided okay I'm gonna take a trip to Florida I go on a little holiday and then after that it'll all be good and I can go back to work and my life can resume and I'll go back to normal even though I didn't even know what that meant anymore Mm -hmm. yeah so I on that holiday, I actually met people on the beach who shared Christ with me. So they saw my desperation. They invited me for a barbecue on the beach, you know, like they say barbecue <laughs> there, we say braai. And what do the Australians say? Also barbecue. Other barbecue. Okay. So yeah. that's what we had. And then, yeah, so they shared their faith with me. They had gone through similar things, losing babies as miscarriage or stillbirth so they could totally relate to me and I could relate to them and so the next day they were leaving which was absolute perfect timing that they took that opportunity and I can just encourage everyone to share even on a holiday you know with people share the hope that we have in Christ you know so I mean if they hadn't then prayed for me you know they Trisha prayed for me just before they left and I didn't even know what that meant but anyway if she hadn't prayed for me I don't think you know I would have been touched like that you know that God really really touched my heart deeply and actually you know I I forgot to say that there was a moment where before I went to this on this holiday where I cried out to the Lord or to God you know to, to like in desperation I nearly committed suicide and yeah 
throwing myself in front of a truck that yeah it it was it was horrible you know and in that moment i knew i didn't have an answer to the question where i would go when i died you know if i had died mm -hmm. then i didn't know where i would go and it was driving me off pushing me off the road basically probably the lord you know because mm. it, nothing was in me that that could have generated that thought anyway so i cried out to god and i said if you exist i want to get to know you i want answers you know i i challenged him and not long after that i went to florida and i got the answer in the prayer you know like when trisha prayed for me there was this light again in the sky it was a beautiful sunny day in florida and i mean there would have been nothing brighter than the sun but I believe the Lord showed himself to me through this light and I'm I'm not I'm not charismatic at all I'm very excited about the Lord and I just want to sing and shout and dance but I am very down to earth when it comes to doctrine and you know like bible based believer so but then then again you know I didn't have any clue about anything about the bible and all that so this light just re like reconnected me with this moment when my father had passed away you know so Almost seven years later, the slide was in the sky again and this overwhelming peace. And it was like, let me just be there. I want to be there. You know, what is this? And when Trisha closed in the name of Jesus Christ, you know, her prayer finished. I was like, what? What did you just pray? So she said, well, I prayed. We're Christians. You know, we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I pray in the Lord, in the name of the Lord. So I was like, my word, this is the answer to my question. It has always been there, you know, in Germany, you know, Reformation, Martin Luther, all the churches there, you know, I, I could have heard the gospel, but I, I didn't, you know, and, but there it was. Anyway, so I went back to Germany. I was looking for a church. Um, Trisha gave me a Bible to read in English, and I was there with my dictionary and really trying hard to <laughs> figure out what the Bible was saying. But anyway, it took another year to cut a long story short. And on the 3rd of September, today, 17 years ago, 2003, a year after, a year and a bit after I lost my baby, and exactly a year after I met the Kings, Trisha, Bob, and Jeremy, on that beach, I committed myself to the Lord. Someone in a Pentecostal church that I was starting to join challenged me on committing myself to the Lord. And he suggested it was an older man and he's with the Lord already now. I'm jealous. <laughs> anyway, he, he challenged me and said, Christina, if you want to follow this Jesus, you know, that you've heard about, you need to give your life to him. And I was shocked. I was like, what? What do I have to do? He said, no, we, we can pray for you on Sunday. It was a Wednesday night, Bible study night. And he said, we can pray for you. Anyway, so I went home. I thought, I'm not going to wait till Sunday. It's Wednesday. Who knows what happens in between? And I've searched for so long. So, Lord, here I am. I prayed and the Lord led me to repentance for hours and hours. I said sorry to him for all the times that I failed him, that I rejected him, that I didn't search for him, that I missed out on our relationship and yeah, I said, here I am, you know, take me, whatever you have in store, I'm yours, you know, like you made me, I believe, so I'm yours. And I fell asleep and I woke up the morning after with all my clothes on on my bed, the birds were singing louder, somehow the sun was shining brighter and I felt I had a new heart, you know, and this whole new age thing was like still in the back of my mind and I just thought that can't be, you know, like it's too weird, you know, that I, mm. I felt like.
you know, this computer was still the same computer, but all the software, all the viruses, everything deleted, fresh start. So I went back to church that night. It was a whole week of Bible study. A missionary had come to that church to preach and teach and share what they had experienced on the mission field. Anyway, so I went back to Günther, this old man that he uh, challenged me the night before and said, Günther, last night I talked to the Lord. I didn't even know that was prayer. Anyway, so I said, I talked to the Lord and I just, you know, said, here I am. And, you know, I told him what I did. And I said, it just feels so weird, though. I feel like I have a new heart or something. He jumped up from his chair, ran up and down the island. He was 75 at the time. Because oh, wow. I can't believe he wasn't running that fast, but he was jumping very high for that. And he said, <laughs> born again, Christina, you're born again. I said, what is that? Then he showed me in John chapter 3, you know, what it means to be born again, that Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born of the spirit, water and the blood. And yeah, to enter the kingdom, to enter the kingdom of God. So I was like, wow, sure. Anyway, so I praise the Lord for that. That was my conversion. Some people grow up in a Christian home. They are spared of so much heartache. They are so blessed. I can only say, guys, you are blessed and, and privileged, you know. But I know that some people would like to have a testimony like mine, but uh, don't be jealous because it is connected to a lot of pain and the Lord takes it all away and makes it all new. But, you know, if you grow up in a Christian home, it's such a privilege. Yeah, yeah that really so, is. But what a journey, Christina. I mean, I knew some of that, but some of it I, I, I didn't know. And, I mean, you've had a lot of trauma and a lot of pain mm. and heartache. And, and yet how and wonderful. And I caused a lot of that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, we, as we do as human beings, <laughs> the sin that we mm. cause and the sin that we on the receiving end of. But how wonderful that today is your 17th anniversary of having yeah. prayed the prayer to trust in Jesus. That is just, it's awesome. I'm yeah. very encouraged yeah. by that. Your life certainly <laughs> hasn't been easy since that day. It would have been you know, wonderful to be able to say it's been all roses ever since. Yeah. But yeah. it really hasn't. And this all happened in Germany. Mm -hmm. But at some point in time, you moved to South Africa. So what was next? Yeah, so the Lord answered my prayer to be his and to do with me as, you, as he wishes. And so he, he brought me to South Africa, another long story, but he brought me to South Africa to do a DTS, a discipleship training school with YWAM, Youth with a Mission. Maybe some of you have heard about that. So it's great for young Christians to, well, I was, I was a young Christian, but I was already 35 <laughs> when I did this discipleship training school. So yeah, 35, yeah. So born 1969, so 51 now. Yeah, so <laughs> time flies. So yeah, it's great. It's very charismatic and we yeah, had all sorts of teachings, but it was good for me to be amongst Christians, to be encouraged, to pursue the Lord and to get to know him. We studied his word, the Bible. We went on outreach to Kenya and Tanzania. I saw things, it was absolutely incredible what the Lord allowed to <laughs> happen in my life. So I, I got a lot of, I was like put right into the deep end and I was baptized on the 1st of February, 2003 at, at my church, which was really great. A wonderful opportunity to proclaim my faith Amen. to the seen and unseen world. 
So, but yeah, so in with YWAM, I felt I really needed to get some, get some sound teaching. And yeah, so I did meet my husband then. So God brought me to the right place, I believe. Bruce Retief, wonderful, wonderful man and his family. What a blessing. How did yeah, you meet Bruce? Oh, wow. That's another story. <laughs> Taryn. <laughs> okay. Uh, Bruce was a friend of our school leader at YWAM. So after my DTS, I stayed on for another eight, eight, nine months to organize and lead a disciple training school for the next year. So we were preparation, we were on preparation and we were quite exhausted, our leadership team. And this friend of Gideon's, our school leader, he said, he's inviting us for an evening at his house with like showing movies and just relaxing and he would cook for us. And I thought, you know, at that point, I just wanted to stay single. I um, just wanted to serve the Lord. And I was really, really happy and excited about life and um, living with the Lord, you know, and all these amazing people around me. Anyway, so I had no interest in a relationship at that point. And then the Lord led me to Bruce's doorstep. Uh, but I was, I was actually, as I said, not interested, but I was falling in love with this idea of a, a person who had such a big heart, you know to be so generous to invite a bunch of crazy YWAMers to his house, people he didn't even know, you know, just to bless them, cook for them, spoil them, bless them. So I I thought, wow, I'm excited to meet this person. But little did I know <laughs> that he would be my husband. <laughs> so and I also I struggled a lot with this idea of remarriage because I was married before I became a Christian. We were quite a while divorced and then I committed myself to the Lord. The Lord drew me to himself and yeah, so I did a lot of research and after YWAM I started, started studying at George Whitfield College and asked lots of lecturers and yeah, inquired in the Bible and commentaries about marriage and remarriage, but came to the conclusion that I was a new person, you know, in Second Corinthians. 5 verse 17, one of my favorite verses, where it says, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. And I really felt like that. I really had a clean slate. And I just thought, okay, well, you know, it must be from the Lord somehow. And, and but anyway, as when we met, also a crazy thing, I had this voice in my right ear. I don't know if I ever told you. And it's crazy because, I mean, like, I believe it was the Lord. It was this voice in my right ear in English. And at that point, I didn't speak English to myself. And even now, I, I would think in German still most of the time. But anyway, so it was like saying, this is your husband, as we were shaking hands. And I didn't even know his name. I didn't know anything. I, I didn't know if he was married or not. Anyway, so I never told him until just shortly before we got married that oh, wow. I somehow needed that confirmation or like, this hint, you know, to, to carry me through because it wasn't easy in the beginning. We had lots of obstacles to overcome and I had to move from Germany to South Africa because I was only here temporarily, you know, I, mm. I didn't think that I would live here one day. So that's how we met. And then my church moved from another, from our uh, suburb and to another suburb and I didn't have a car at that time. So I, I started joining my friend's church, which happened to be Bruce's church. So oh, wow. we ended up in the same church. So God brought me to his church as well as his doorstep. And it was just, yeah, crazy. <laughs> but yeah. And then he proposed and 
on the 15th of December, 27, 2007, yeah. And then we got married in April, 2008. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so you're... From what you've been saying, your journey took you through a whole lot of different theologies and approaches to an understanding the Bible, and mm, you've mm. kind of landed in a reformed theological position. You said earlier that you're not charismatic, and I'm assuming by that you meaning in terms of your theology, but in terms but of your personality right. and in terms <laughs> of your joy that you exude you are most certainly what people would say is charismatic and that is a wonderful <laughs> thing i know personally i i've Thanks. always enjoyed it and been very challenged and inspired by your obvious joy mm-hmm. and love for for jesus which is which is really beautiful it is oh. it's really beautiful <laughs> and i i love the story of you and bruce getting together just for mm. our listeners sake bruce is uh, the son of Frank Retief, which who I speak about in my interview with Tori. I think that's episode 33. And he was the minister at St. James Church in Kenilworth. And that's the church that experienced a massive massacre in 1993. Mm. And Bruce grew up there and he is now somebody who writes music and has written music for film even went to the Annie Awards, if, if I remember yep. correctly, for, which, was that for Zambezia? It was for the first one, Zambezia, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. he's into his music and he does a whole lot of other things on the side. And when you met him, was that the time when he was very involved in helping uh, immigrants, people who were suffering from xenophobia in South Africa at the time. And he was quite involved with people weren't using the word immigrant. They were using a different word for. Yeah. So refugees, he was very refugees. involved in that. Yeah. So his, his heart was for, for the needy and always is still, I mean, he's like amazing just, and people flock to him. They just see his heart and, you know, not just materially, but spiritually, you know, that lots of, yeah, refugees, but also just the people around us. People need a dad. People need someone to point them to Christ, to support them, to encourage them as as a godly man, you know, to to be a role model. So he's he had Bible studies running. He had a ministry to refugees that were supporting them in their tertiary education and also, yeah, just getting a job, getting getting their families sustained and supported, you know. So that also really, really impressed me. I mean, I didn't know all these things, but I just, you know, love, I love his big heart, you know, like the sister says, Bruce's heart is like an African taxi. There's always room for one more. <laughs> for one more. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, I love mm. that. And so you guys got married, but quite shortly after that, something fairly tra- traumatic, tragic happened. Do you want to share that? Yes. In the middle of xenophobia happening here in South Africa, attacks on the refugees by South Africans, unfortunately. But that didn't have anything to do with what happened to me. Some people said, um, you know, maybe it was some refugee or something. I don't know where they got that from. But I was shot in a robbery in, in broad daylight, point blank in the stomach in my old neighborhood. So I was collecting my little belongings from the flat that I used to live in before we got married. 
and after honeymoon was over <laughs> it was really over <laughs> that day on the 13th mm. of may 2008 a month and a day after our wedding that i was finding myself with well actually the bullet didn't get stuck in my in my body it went through and ended up in the door behind me so it was a nine millimeter bullet and I gave this young man my handbag and he made a step forward towards me and pushed the gun in my belly and pulled the trigger. And so the police said it must have been initiation, someone wanting to belong to a gang who might, must have killed someone to belong to a gang. So that was probably what happened to me. And so, yeah, that was, that was it was very traumatic, but at the same time, when I was lying there waiting for the ambulance and uh, police to come and I just thought, you know, Lord, you have a plan because I'm still here. No angels like fluttering <laughs> around me or something trying to no bright lights. Um, yeah, br no bright lights. No. So I thought, okay, the Lord has a plan. This, or I still have a spiritual mom who is wonderful. She's like a mentor to me. And she just taught me just before that happened to not ask God why but to ask him to teach me through the situation that I would find myself in and how I can become more like Christ, you know? So I was lying there and saying, okay, Lord, I'm not going to ask you why this happens here now, but please use it to make me more like Christ. And it did. Um, it really did. It taught me faith, perseverance. It showed me God's love for me, you know, that for two and a half, three months, we got meals every night. I met people like you, Taryn, you know, and your family that prayed for us and, and showered us with their love and practical ways, giving us food and um, like, you know, like you, you helped me unpack boxes, you know, mm. because I was like there lying on the couch with my big teddy bear scar, you know, and couldn't move. And so you came with a few friends that I had also not met before. And it was such a blessing to see you unpacking my stuff and thinking, my word, what did I, why did I collect all this? I'm like, why did I, <laughs> um, yeah, keep this. <laughs> it was great. It was great. It God was uses all things for something good. And so even though it was a traumatic time, it was good. <laughs> and yeah. I, you know, I use this so often, this testimony to point people to Christ, to say there is a God, that Christ has died for our sins so that we can be friends with God. And we, we, there's so much freedom in being a Christian, you know, there's so much joy. And even in the valleys, I mean, he, he never said he would not let us go through dark times, you know. Mm. In Psalm 23, it says, in the valley of shadow of death, when we, when we go through, not if we go through, but when we go through, he is with us. His rod mm. and staff, they comfort us, you know. Yeah. yeah. I remember you telling us, if I'm remembering correctly, I remember you telling us something about having had opportunities to share the gospel with doctors and nurses at the hospital when you were mm. there. Yeah, yeah, it was great. So where is it now? Oh, I, mean, I should have looked that scripture up where it says we must be ready to share the, the hope that we have. You know, is it one or two, Peter? Yeah, I was, I was waiting for this opportunity. I prayed for it. I said, Lord, use this, you know, use this opportunity. And the surgeon that actually operated on me came to my bedside one morning at 5 a.m. starting his shift and saying, Christina, how did you survive this night? You know, I said, well, it was a bit painful. He said, yeah, the nurse didn't switch the morphine drip on, you know. So I was like, oh, wow. Oh, my word. So I was without pain medication that night. And 
you know, he said, why are you still smiling? You know, I see your, your ward, like your, your rooms full of people, you know, visiting you. I had pictures everywhere. I had flowers everywhere. I said, you know, you want to know where my hope comes from? He said, yes, please tell me. So I shared my testimony, how I became a Christian, how God saved me out of darkness, brought me into the light. And that I have a hope that no one can take from me. You know, I have forgiveness. Jesus died on the cross for my sins so that I can be forgiven for my sins. I mean, you know, he was without sin, yet he took my sin upon himself. He nailed it to the cross so that I can be friends with God and reconciled to the Father. So to be free, you know, to be free of fear of death, to know why I am alive, that I can worship the Lord with my life, to to serve him, to love him. And yeah, to tell others about him, you know, which is a great, I mean, he put that on my heart so much to tell people about the Lord. I can't stop it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I shared my testimony with Dr. Nell. And two weeks after being discharged, my father-in-law went for a checkup at that very hospital to his specialist for asthma. And his doctor said, look, Frank, your daughter-in-law was here, I believe, with a shooting wound. And Frank said, yes, that's correct. And so he said, well, the doctor that operated on Christina is now attending our church services. You know? Oh, so wow. Let's, let's pray, you know, let's pray. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so, and there was a, a woman opposite me, and it wasn't really a ward for me, it was oncology. So this, this lady, a Jewish lady, was in her final stage of cancer. And I said to her, you know, Linda, you, you know that my Messiah is also your Messiah. You know, you have been waiting for the Messiah to come and, you know, it's Yeshua. You know? And she, she didn't respond very much anymore because she was so far gone already. But mm. I do pray and hope that the Lord saved her you know, through yeah. just that yeah. little glimpse of hope that I could share with her. I mean, I couldn't really explain the gospel to her, but. I believe the Lord is sovereign, you know, and anyway, so many, many other opportunities. Yeah, That's wonderful. But uh, so many good things that came out of that. But one of the sad things was that just you weren't able to have children. How did you process Um, all of that? Not quite. So I, yeah, when I was shot, I thought, ooh, maybe that is it, you know, maybe it went through the womb, but it didn't. I could have, we could have had children. I lost the spleen, so they couldn't save that from bleeding. Yeah, it's actually a miracle that I even survived because the doctor said I should have been dead. So by God's grace, I'm here. We could have had children, biological children, but I had a miscarriage early in 2009. Yeah, January 2009. But then it was actually, it was very sad. And we sometimes still think, oh, why did God allow that? And he he had a reason because otherwise we wouldn't have adopted our boys. You know, I mean, we're still in the process, but... If we had a biological child then, we wouldn't have had our boys. So tell um, me about your boys. Yeah. So Bruce and I, even before we got together and got married, we we shared that we wanted to adopt one day. You know, we both had on our hearts to be parents to children who don't have parents or whose parents can't look after them. So when I had the miscarriage, we said, let's let's just go for adoption now, you know, because we don't want to waste any time. And if I fa- if I had fallen pregnant um, again after that, it would have been okay. But that's how God got us to pray and start praying about adoption. And we signed up for emergency parents with an organization called Arise in Cape Town, wonderful ministry. So it wasn't an adoption agency or anything. So uh, they just had our name down 
for being emergency parents because we wanted to get involved in their ministry. So they called one afternoon. I was on the phone and I said, we, you know, we, we know you're not looking into adoption. You know, you just put your name down for emergency kids who need a home for a weekend or a short period of time. But we have twin boys here for up for adoption and we really desperately need a home for them. And we had just started praying a week before that the Lord would bring the baby. We were thinking about a baby to bring the baby somehow to us, you know. Mm-hmm. Little did we know that he was just waiting for us to get ready to receive these two boys. And we visited the home on their fourth birthday, four years. And we took them home not too long after that because it was just a match made in heaven. And yeah, so their parents are still alive. They're not able to look after them. The mom is very, very ill. And the dad is doing all in his ability to feed their two other children and the mom. And, you know, it's just impossible for them to go back. But we have been in touch. And so it's been a journey. So we're not able to fully adopt them yet. But they're they are really ours. We are their hard parents. And mm. as I said, a match made in heaven. It's just incredible. If, if a psychologist wants to study the case, wow. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting things about you know, nature and nurture and all that yeah what do you mean by that what, what have you found particularly interesting yeah it's just crazy how Robbie for instance is super outgoing people person chatty loves music you know Bruce is into music so how the Lord brought just Robbie into our family Robbie is a lot like me and we sometimes you know uh, get our heads together like oh man mm-hmm. rub, rub each other off the wrong side but then we love each other and like do crazy stuff like dancing in the kitchen and yeah yeah, it's just yeah we're so similar and then Bruce and him they talk about music Robbie's composing music he's 14 you know he's every day he comes with another idea a rap you know he raps about the Lord you know he's Lecrae is his role model (laughs) and so we we can so relate and you know there's this encouragement just by Bruce being in the music industry and helping Robbie to kind of catalyze his talent you know and Robbie started drumming when he came to us on any and everything you know like he was drumming on the car door and on the on the pots and pans in the kitchen and so he's drumming in church now and making music for the Lord you know alongside with Bruce and sometimes I sing help (laughs) anyway so Jamie is very quiet. He's our introvert and he's now reading psychological and psychiatric compendiums like university books that you have in, you know, your yeah. third year of psychology. And he he just has all these questions and he's very quiet like Bruce. They love movies. They We discuss things on a level where you think, wow, you know, like when I was 14, I was just, you know, like playing with my friends and and chatting and listening to music and, you know, doing girly stuff and giggling. And he's talking about psychological disorders and, you know, what OCD and all these things are, you know, like, yeah. So it's just amazing and how different they are and, you know, like how Bruce and I can relate to them and the other way around, you know, it's just, yeah, it just fits, you know. Mm. And then they they have grown so much. I mean, they're almost as tall as we are. And their biological parents are very short, you know. Like, how does where does that come from, you know? Maybe yeah. it's nutrition. Maybe it's love. But maybe, I don't know. I mean, you know. Yeah. And the list goes on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 14. Wow. 
Wow, and strapping young men. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, very proud of them. They are awesome. They're really cool. <laughs> yeah. How do they feel about their situation of, of being with you guys as their hard parents and their, their parents that they live with, and yet they've got a biological family that they know of? Mm. Yeah. You know, I'm really just so grateful that our identity is in the Lord Jesus. You know, I mean, I'm German. Amen. Is South African, we are white, they are black, but they're suited. They grew up in a Hosa home, you know, I can't even pronounce it properly. Sorry, guys. Hosa, yeah, we are such a colorful, yeah, rainbow, crazy family. And, you know, where do you build your identity on? You know, where, where does, you know, is it your biological family? Is it your ancestors? Is it the language that you speak or the color of your skin? but our identities in Christ. And that has given them such a foundation for life. And I do pray that the hiccups that they will have, we all have our hiccups. We have all our questions, like especially teenage years, you know, we, you don't know who you are, you know, like, are you a boy or a man? You know, you're not a boy anymore, but you're not a man yet, you know, sorry, <laughs> this gender thing, I mean, crazy. We're talking about it so much. And the boys mm. are like, what is wrong with people? You know, you are born as a boy, you are born as a girl, you know, there are exceptions, you know, but why do you discuss your your identity, sexuality? You're like, you know, discuss who you are in relation to God, you know, mm. are you at odds with God? Are you an enemy of God? Are you a friend of God? You know, that is the, the big question, you know, and there's so much distraction from the main thing, you know, so their identity is in Christ and I do pray that it will stay that way until they see him face to face because, mm. you know, there are so many storms in life, so many questions, who you are and why you are and where you are, that if you don't know who you are, when your identity is in Christ, all I'm saying is that, you know, you can move on from that. You can live a fruitful life. You can be of use to, to the Lord, you know, you can make a difference in this life. You can love others, you know, without needing to be loved. You know, what do you do if you if you still need to figure out if you're a man or a woman or if you're a German or like Rosa or if you're black or white, you know? I mean, those questions will also come, I believe, and they are so rooted, you know? So mm. I do praise the Lord for that. I do thank him for the gift of salvation and for his word, you know, that teaches us truth. Because in this day and age, you don't even know what truth is anymore. For many people, mm. they, they're not, you know, they don't know what what is true and what is not true. And life is based on that, you know. You can't mm. just say, well, it's true for me. Well, you know, what? Yeah. What are we talking about, you know? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm putting that out there. And lots of people might not agree, but I have searched for truth so many, many years. And you know, I had gone so many avenues like Buddhism, meditation, a new age, you know, I have arrived and my life has been so just beautiful, you know, even in the dark mm. times where, you know, you know, I had exhaustion. I had the choice of taking antidepressants or, you know, pushing through and I just praise the Lord for my identity in Christ, for our boys' identity in Christ that we are saved by grace, that we are free to serve, free to love, 
and free to give, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to ask you now. You now that's the where we spoke about last you you were living in Musenberg which is in Cape Town, but you now live about an hour outside of Cape Town. <laughs> what brought you guys to live out where you live now and and what ministry are you involved in? What's what's going on in the life of Christina in the last few years? So God brought us out here with this attractive idea of adopting our boys because adoption was made very, very difficult in Cape Town. And we heard from friends of ours that they were actually offered to adopt their little girl that they were fostering. So we moved out here where we had already spent holidays, beautiful memories here. So we were we moved out to Hermanus for yeah the the prospect of adopting our boys, but then you know that didn't work out for different reasons. Our social worker nearly got killed and all that, so she stopped working as a social worker because of that. But anyway, so we we got involved in our church here, Christ Church Hermanus, which is part of our denomination, Reach South Af- South Africa which you know very well. Hey, Taryn. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Bruce is on the worship team. I'm on Welcome Flowers. We're looking after lots of people. We host a Bible study here every Thursday night. We are picking up tonight. So tonight will be our first meeting again with lots of safety measures in place. Yeah. But um, it'll be glorious to resume. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of refugees again and lots of people that, that we look out for. I mean, mm-hmm. God looks after them, but he uses us to encourage them to... Bruce has just started a sandwich business. You can look yeah, it up Yeah, I was going to ask Facebook. about that, actually. I saw that on Facebook, yeah. and I did wonder if it was it was an initiative to help others. Yes, yeah. And Bruce would like to export it into other parts of the, of the country that churches can train people up for, you know, sandwiches. Offices need sandwiches for lunch, and people that work in the... Yeah, different shops here around town. And yeah, the sandwich guys are at the moment six guys who are making sandwiches and delivering them to the different places you can order online or on WhatsApp. So they have increasing orders every day. And Bruce gets up earlier and earlier to still help with the making. But they are nearly now at a stage where they can take off on their own. So he helped them financially in the beginning. And now they can invest this money into buying ingredients and you know, we had caps made and aprons, and so they're going out there. They obviously hear the gospel from Bruce. Bruce says Bible studies at his shop with them, and yeah, so it's it's a really really good way to reach out to be. As in James chapter two, it says, you know, what is faith without deeds? You know, when you mm. say you love the Lord, but you can't. We're saved by grace, but you can't make a difference. So yeah, let's make a difference. Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. I love that. You know, I've been very challenged around ideas of evangelism lately and just been seeing a lot of it. Like uh, Kira, I'm sure my mom's spoken to you about this, but she's been very involved with evangelism, which is street evangelism. It's been very encouraging. And it's, I just, I'm so encouraged to hear about all the different ways in which people have been doing evangelism and to think outside of the box and to be intentional. Mm. Those Mm. two things it it just gives us none of us an excuse because so many of mm. us make excuses. Ah, oh, well, you know, I prayed for an opportunity and it didn't arrive, or you know, mm. that everybody I know are Christians, or I I'm in my workplace I'm not allowed to speak about God. But actually, if we 
think outside the box and we take initiative and and God does the rest. I mean, he he does it all, but he's asked us Absolutely. to do those things. And what a great mm-hmm. idea to start a small business for people and share the gospel with them and, and help them, which I think is so important in South Africa to be able to help people support mm-hmm. themselves and, and yeah, just to be able to support their families. That's mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. very encouraged by that. Uh, we can all do that, hey, in little and bigger ways and just, yeah. And as you said, pray for an opportunity. The Lord will give you one, you know. As my spiritual mom always says, pray in the morning, you know. Lord, I'm yours. Do with me as you wish today. I'm yeah. your instrument, you know. And anyone can share their faith, you know. I really believe we we do need a bit of courage, but, you know, the Lord will do the work, you know. Where where does it say? I think it's an Acts where it says, "Don't worry about what you say. The Holy Spirit will will give you the right words." Yes, you know? Jesus right. said it to his disciples, you know, and he does. He does. Yeah. What would you say is big on your radar at the moment? What are you feeling the most passionate about these days? Definitely evangelism. So I've always had that, and in COVID nineteen lockdown now, we we're still quite strict about you know, all these regulations and all that, but to reach out, you know, to share the gospel, to share the good news, because people are hopeless and they have fears, you know, that they can't even put their finger down. And I think it boils down to the fear of death, because if you don't know where you're going, if you don't know that you are, you know, I mean, inside, we all know that there's judgment day, you know, that we will all face our maker, our creator, without maybe wanting to admit it or you know the bible is very clear on that no one has an excuse you know there for many reasons people push god out of their life off their radar but he's still there you know and he's a loving god he's a just god so to share that with others you know and to say there's hope in christ you know yeah that's very much on my heart and i've had lots of opportunities to share even making friends with a neighbor who's a Buddhist and we're discussing things now. And she's really, I mean, I think what, what impressed her most is that I don't have fear, you know, I mean, there are fears, little fears, you know, like kind of, a, but this big fear, you know, where I said, you know, being shot helps, but also <laughs> knowing the Lord and, and surviving. Yes. <laughs> knowing the Lord and being friends with God through Jesus Christ, you know, there's no other way, you know, like, yeah. Anyway, so that and yeah, witnessing and also actually by witnessing, you, you're confirming your faith to yourself all the time, you know, so which is yeah. really encouraging. It gives you this boost, you know, where you say, you know, like I have to actually find words to explain my faith, you know, reading in the Bible, quoting Bible verses, studying the Bible even more. I mean, I, during lockdown, I read the Bible so much more than not during lockdown. I mean, yeah. we're still on lockdown stage two, but you know what I mean, you know, when life gets busy, you know, but to actually really dive into God's word, that's on my heart. And my boys, I mean, this whole discussion about gender issues, you know, I mean, there are a hundred genders out there now, apparently. I don't know where they all come from because we're born male or female, you know, and you know, this mm. whole identity thing is big on my heart and mind. And I pray a lot for, yeah, the cousins, two of the cousins live in Norway where they are confronted with this issue daily. It's not that much here in South Africa yet, but it's coming. And, you know, yeah. 
being there for my husband, being there for my boys. It's not easy sometimes to think, is that all, you know, or like as a, as a mom, you think like, do I do enough? Or, you know, like, or as a Christian, you know, the ministry I had before reaching out to women in the location, in the township, teaching them sewing, it's all on hold at the moment. You know, we can't really do that at the moment. So, you know, what is my identity? What is, you know, making me tick and, and make me happy, you know, or give me joy? To actually say, look, the Lord has put my family right here in my life. Yeah. So yeah. be there for them, you know, support them, pray for them, pray for everyone around that the Lord sends us, you know, neighbors, the lost, the needy. There's so much to pray and, yeah, sharing the gospel. That's unmarked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's more than 24 hours a day worth right there. Yes, <laughs> true. <laughs> so mm. what keeps you standing firm? and growing in Christ. Okay, so obviously his word, reading the word, which I mentioned already, you know, like sometimes you feel like, oh no, you, know, you don't want to read the word, but the Bible is oh, full of amazing encouragement. And yeah, it's just, you read the passage again that you just read the day before, and then you read it again, and it's just speaking to you in a different way. I love podcasts. I love videos on YouTube, watching almost every night watching sermons or debates, you know, I don't know if you know John Lennox, John, yep. John MacArthur, John Piper, Tim Keller. And I love to remember all the things that my spiritual mom had taught me. She's going to be nine, uh, 100, sorry, she's 99 now. She's wow. going to be 100, for God willing, in October next month. Wow. So I just saw her yesterday, the retirement hotel where she lives has opened their doors again with lots of security measures and all that. So to, you know, have a mentor, you know, that is so encouraging. Ladies, get a mentor, pray for a mentor. And even if she's that old, you know, I, was like, I didn't expect her to be so old because when I met her, she was already in her late 80s, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just amazing. The truth that someone of that age being in the Lord and she is American. She was a missionary to Zimbabwe and Zambia for a long, long time with her husband and four children. So to understand like things like marriage is the quickest way to crucifixion. And, you know, that is so helpful. <laughs> what does that mean? So, yeah, marriage is the quickest way to crucifixion. So when, if you want to die to self, get married, you know. So okay. to actually put yourself aside and to, to live for others, you know. It's not about me it's about the lord and about others you know so yeah. if you want to get crucified you know get married yeah. <laughs> that's brilliant yeah so yeah or like as i said you know pray just you know like that the lord would make you more like like christ you know to be an instrument and ach, just so many things and then yeah. i obviously love reading i never really enjoyed reading that much but now as a christian to read biographies autobiographies of christian missionaries, yeah, just men of God, you know, Charles Spurgeon, C.S. Lewis, and, you know, the list goes on. I'm just sound doctrine, men that have really impacted the the Christian world and, and, and the world, you know. I mean, C.S. Lewis hasn't just written Christian books, you know. He has, he had a life before he became a Christian. And to see that, you know, to see intelligent people coming to faith, you know, and mm. I just, I'm fascinated by that. And even though like James Tour, you know, he's like this, like, yo, I love listening to One for Israel and I am second. I don't know if you know those YouTube yes, um, yes, I do. Um, channels. 
that testimonies of Jewish believers coming to faith in their Yeshua and their Messiah. Mm. I just love it. And James too is one of them. He's highly intelligent. I mean, he is scientist, uh, awarded many, many um, awards and published many, many countless publications in, yeah, in the science field. I mean, you, you can research on him and he is just full of the Lord, you know, he has, yeah. he reaches out to his students and his fellow lecturers and, and scientists and, you know, to see all these people coming from so many different walks of life, different countries, different backgrounds, coming to faith in Christ, that is really, really boosting my faith and, yeah, and obviously God's word, I mean, you know, reading it over and over again. Mm. I just made it through the Bible in one year in, without interruption uh, just recently. Oh, good um, for I you. Finished, uh, yeah. And I mean, you know, I've read through the Bible in different ways, different books, but just chronologically going through the Bible and um, seeing that it just all makes sense, you know, that mm. the big picture is that everything pointed to Christ, all these failures. I mean, even though men of God, like, David and Moses and Abraham I mean they were so full of flaws and you know we can identify with them and uh, if God can use them and call them men of God you know then there's hope for us you know absolutely um, an empty vessel and broken person can be used for God's glory and yeah. let's be available you know let's be available yeah <laughs> let's be available I think that's that could be the catchphrase <laughs> for your life really I mean I've yes, yeah. used you you have been available and has used you guys you and Bruce mm. in in tremendous and wonderful ways and I pray that he keeps doing that and that we Amen. maybe get to have Amen. a catch-up catch-up uh, chat in you know 10 years time and and hear how the next 10 years have gone in his service <laughs> which would be wonderful I wanted to ask you if you have any Bible passage that is particularly close to your heart, if you wouldn't mind reading it. Okay. Can I, can I share five? <laughs> you totally can. Okay. So I'll make it short. So the first one is, I prepared a little bit. So when <laughs> I was you. born again, what really, really struck struck me yeah struck me is second corinthians 5 verse 17 which i quoted already it's if anyone is in christ he's a new creation the old is gone the new has come and that was so true for me i mean god makes christ makes everything new you know he's like gives you a new start and yeah you you might never get fully healed in this life you know but he can use you you know yeah with Amen. all your hurts and pains and some he takes away, some he never takes away. And then he uses everything for his glory and our joy. And he uses our pain to bring joy to others and to bring hope. And, you know, if someone doesn't get healed, it's okay. Because in our weakness, he is strong. Amen. You know, Paul said that he had his thorn in his flesh. He prayed three times. I'm sure he prayed more than three times, but it would have been you know, perfect for him to get healed, but he wasn't healed and he was still used for God's glory, you know. So mm. to be new in Christ is all that matters, you know, to not to be healed or to be having amazing spiritual gifts, you know. Who really mm -hmm. cares about this? If people don't hear the good news of Jesus Christ, you know, then if they're not saved, they go to hell, you know. So let's share the gospel. And not Amen. be so obsessed with healing and all that stuff, you know. I, I still have moments where I'm exhausted, you know, losing the spleen. You know, I'm more prone to infections. Who cares, you know. If I die, I know that I will be with the Lord, you know. If I live, 
you know, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So, you know, let's do it. <laughs> so my second, my second scripture is when I was shot in hospital. What really, and even when I was lying there in the pool of blood, waiting for the ambulance to come, scripture came to mind. Romans 8, verse 28 and 29. So, you know, lots of people quote, in all things God works for the good of those who love him. That's wonderful. But the good is not, you know, health and wealth and prosperity and fame. It's to become more like Jesus. So I'm going to read this now to you guys. So we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So not everyone, you know, experiences God's, God's goodness. Or we do, but we are called for his purpose. So, and the purpose is in the next verse, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So to become, to become more like Christ is well, not all that God cares for, but, you know, that what we should care for, that we would mm. become more like Christ. And yeah. it really helped me to go through my suffering valley and to say, look, Lord, make me more like you. Third scripture is Proverbs 15, verse 1. So that's a tough one, because when you want God to shape you more into his likeness, then all the rough edges must be taken off and my weakness is definitely having a short fuse or you know wanting in my way and or the highway and then everyone else must go according to my German (laughs) and then you know this short fuse is not always very helpful and not very godly at all so the scripture Proverbs 15 verse 1 I printed out and put it in every room in our house in the last house we lived in you know in the bathroom where next to the mirror it says A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And it really, really helped me. I'm still a work in progress, so I haven't overcome yet. And I really plead with the Lord to just give me this, you know, serene nature and peaceful, quiet spirit, you know, you know, to actually to give a gentle answer or to not respond in anger or in you know, without thinking first, you know. So that scripture really, really spoke to me and has helped me overcome and is still helping me to overcome. Mm. Okay, so the fourth scripture is for spiritual warfare because, you know, like attacks come and when you feel like you're on this high and you're witnessing to people or something, the next thing is you find yourself in a battle, in a spiritual battle. So I learned this by heart and now I'm not going to, I'm going to read it now, but I did learn by heart, and this is the NIV version, I think. Yeah. So the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Second Corinthians 10, verse 4 to 5. There we go. So, you know, to actually see if it's true what I'm thinking, is this true what I'm experiencing, put it under the obedience of Christ and double check, you know, because otherwise it's from the enemy and maybe it's your own doubts, maybe it's your own insecurities or something that is completely hindering you from living for Christ and to be of, of use for him. So fight that battle, you know, Ephesians 6, the same thing, you know, put on the armor of God. And what is the sword? that we fight with, it's his word, you know? So, Mm -hmm. yeah, to learn scripture by heart and to 
you know, make every, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. That really, really helps me. And then my fifth one <laughs> and last one is Romans 1 verse 16, the first part. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So that's my five favorite verses. There you go. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, the whole Bible is God's yeah. word and it's, I know. it's useful for <laughs> teaching and correcting and all those things and encouraging that those are five very poignant and helpful verses. And I completely identify, especially with the a gentle answer turns away uh, wrath. Yes, yeah. I, I think that's a brilliant idea to put it up and into every room to remind yourself wherever you go in your home. Well, um, I have that from Ruth yeah. Graham, who um, once said that she had a scripture next to her sink in the kitchen where she would spend lots of hours washing dishes and pondering upon the verse that she was reading in front of her. You know, so um, that's I a thought idea. that would be a good idea. Mm. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing with us and sharing with the listeners at the Lydia Project. Um, oh, that's a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity, hey? Uh, it's, yeah. it's been good. It's been really good. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Lydia Project. We would love you to share this episode with others, whether that be by word of mouth, social media, or leaving a review on iTunes. You can find us on most platforms using the handle at TLPCWCW. Music is Wholesome 7 by Dave Depper and voiceover is by me, Jennifer Mary. 